This is New York's Asset Protection Roundtable with Ted Alatsis of Alatsis Law Firm. Our mission at Alatsis Law Firm is to assist you with the three pillars of protection, preserving your assets, providing you help, and protecting your future. Hello and welcome in to New York's Asset Protection Roundtable, a three pillars of protection program. Glad to have you on the show today as we talk about one of the biggest assets you'll probably own or you do own and what do you do with it? We're talking about the house, of course. So we're going to talk through some different scenarios some things to think about. How do you split this up if you have multiple people that will inherit it? So we'll talk through that as always with Ted Alatsis over at the Alatsis Law Firm in Brooklyn, New York. Ted, welcome in. How are you? I'm, I'm great, Ben. Hope, uh, hope you're doing well. I cannot complain. How did you guys manage through the wildfire smoke that was coming through uh, recently? It was uh, it was something. Um, I don't think we've ever experienced that kind of uh, uh, overpowering uh, smell, but uh, um, the, the air was was complicated. It was it was difficult to deal with for a couple of days, but we got through it. What is it? Was it as bad as it looked on all the uh, the pictures and videos that were being shared everywhere? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, we 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 had thought we had uh, gotten through the wearing a mask, um, you know, all to get around thing. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, we needed masks for a couple of days to get around. The air was, was that bad. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough to get around. Yeah. You just never know with filters that people have for on their cameras, you know, how, how what truly, what, what's truth and what's uh, actually not actual reality. So it's, uh, I'm glad those things have settled through down and, and you guys have made it through there and, and things have sorted back out. And you can enjoy the, the beautiful weather of the summer, hopefully. Right, um, right, exactly, exactly. All right, well, today I want to talk to you about what are we going to do with the house. And this is, again, a big part of the estate planning equation and a big, big asset for most people. And there's a practical challenge to try to figure out how to split this up as well. So we're going to try to unravel some of the complexities and help you gain some insights into effectively managing your real estate within the estate planning. And Ted, this is a probably a, a pretty big one for for everybody you work with, right? I mean, I I feel like in general, and generally speaking, this is going to be the biggest asset most people have, right? Oh, without question. Um, you know, the the first thing people come in to talk about is what's going to happen with the house when they're gone, uh, and that's you know for the most part when someone you know starts working, that's their first uh, their first goal is to buy that house. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, live in it as long as, as they can. Um, and so the house is by far the, the most valuable asset, the most important asset, and, uh, and the one that uh, generally involves the most complications in terms of, of getting it uh, to beneficiaries. Exactly. And, you know, once that family decides, you know, the basics of their inheritance plan, who's going to receive what they got to figure out, you know, how much they are leaving each beneficiary. And this, of course, as we mentioned, the house is difficult to split up. And, you know, if you've owned a property or multiple properties, you know what it's like having co-owners as well. It can be a little bit difficult there as well. So I want to walk through some different scenarios with you, Ted, and, and how you'd handle it. So let's start with uh, the one where maybe it's the easiest, uh, all beneficiaries that you have are adults. They're all self-sufficient. Um, they do not live at home. So you have this house that they don't necessarily need to utilize, but how do you think about passing this along? Yeah. Uh, the, and this is generally the more common scenario, uh, especially when, you know, you have self-sufficient children who've moved on, they've, they've got their own lives, their own families, and everybody's kind of left, left the nest, so to speak. Right. So, in that scenario, usually the the best uh, the best way to handle it is to just treat the asset as or the house as any other asset. You, you include it as part of what we call the residuary, and you you know just uh, divide it in the same manner or or a similar manner as you would every every other asset. And um, that generally is the the more uh, preferred way. Um, but you know there are 
circumstances where you know family members may specifically want that particular asset or um you know a little bit more uh specific so maybe maybe you provide a specific designation and you specify which of your children or you know any combination of children or other you know beneficiaries would would get the the house or the value of the of the house uh when it's sold so you kind of have the option to either make it really specific about how and who has the option to take it versus just, Hey, I'm leaving it to you. And it's kind of your, your, uh, your, your little tackle moving forward on and how, what you want to do with it. Do you want to sell it? Do you want to try to utilize it, rent it, whatever it is, I'm just going to leave it open-ended for you. Right. And you know, usually what happens, you know, when you have self-sufficient children who have already moved down, moved on the, the, the more preferred and more likely scenario is going to be that division in a, in percentages. And basically, you know, as part of your estate plan, you know, upon your demise, it would essentially, you know, the asset would be sold or the house would be sold and the proceeds would be divided in the same manner or become part of the general estate and be divided in the same manner as as you prescribe in, in either your will or your trust or or other documents. So that that's generally the way, you know, that would be treated. Now, you could have a scenario where you specifically designate one particular child as receiving the asset, um, the house, but in that scenario, it could also be the the same, you know, a similar type of thing where where one child is receiving or one beneficiary is receiving the house, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that child is required to reside in the house. It could just mean that the proceeds of that particular sale of that house could be used to pay off that person's distributive share, you know, as part of as part of their their estate plan. Gotcha. And then for this scenario too, is this is it common for people to have the discussion with their children and just loop them in early on before deciding this? Or do you find that a lot of people just say, hey, this is kind of what I want and we'll just make the kids deal with it? I think so. Like with every estate plan, it kind of depends. Um, You know, so certainly there may be emotional attachments that people have to homes. Uh, You may have a circumstance where while, uh, you know, one beneficiary is, you know, while all the beneficiaries may be self-sufficient and have, have, uh, you know, have their own families and their own uh, circumstances, they may actually want to go back to the family home or they may may want to actually do that. So having a conversation certainly uh, can alleviate a lot of these uh, questions and a lot of these concerns about how to how to deal with that particular uh, that, that particular issue. And then um, you can you can have scenarios in which, um, you know, if, if your intention is that you want to divide the asset equally or the value of the asset equally, but you want one particular person to have a priority as to residing it or something like that, then you can you can be specific and provide guidelines as to how that that can happen as well. So so communication is a very important part of 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 this discussion, as with every estate plan. As we've mentioned before, it's a it's probably the preferred way to 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 do an estate plan. Yeah, communication always key. And if you want to communicate with Ted and his team, again you can always do so by calling 718-233-2903 or log on Alassis Law Firm. Dot com. All right. That was the most maybe common scenario. Uh, this one less common, but maybe Ted becoming more common uh, as, as more and more adults are living with their parents um, due to finding jobs or whatever the reason might be. But what if you have one or more adult beneficiaries living at home? Then what kind of arrangement do you set up? Right. So so now this is a scenario that's becoming more and more common, as you mentioned. Um, you know, the sandwich generation is is you know the the generation that's that's uh, younger than the parents who are planning, but you know older than their kids, and they're kind of caught betwixt and between, and they're kind of taking care of their parents and taking care of their kids at the same time. And a lot of times, when you have that, um, and that's done by by someone who's living in the home with uh, with the parents. 
and the parents, you know, own this home. And, you know, in order to, to feel uh, that they're uh, compensating or, you know, uh, uh, or, you know, taking care of that person who's taking care of them, you know, they, they may want to provide for the house to, to be part of that person's, you know, legacy. So, you know, that, that is a very common scenario. And so, you know, in a scenario like that, you, you'd want to be very specific as to as to what's going to happen upon your demise. And then if you feel that there is a need to compensate another beneficiary because you feel that it may not be equal or it may not be fair, um, then to provide some sort of scenario where the person who's residing in the home perhaps uh, compensates the other uh, party or the other beneficiary with either a buyout or some sort of other asset swapping, you know, fair market value, or maybe some sort of specific criteria. So there are a lot of different scenarios that can, that can play into what happens uh, in that. But yet that again, we go back to that, you know, communication. That's a very important part in a, in a, in a scenario like that. Yeah. I feel like the communication even more important here, maybe than the, the previous scenario, although it's still important do you often see a lot of disputes in this kind of arrangement as as you're trying to sort things out? Yeah, so so I think that you know when you have uh, when you're not clear, um, then it does result almost invariably in some form of a dispute or another. I I think the uh, most frequent uh, scenario in which there's a, a contest or a challenge to a will, it's in this scenario where you know one beneficiary perhaps got a little bit of a leg up. With regards to the house, and so the one who's not getting the house is is feeling left out or doesn't feel that they were adequately uh, taken care of because you know one person got the the most valuable asset. Um, so so you know, this is where communication is certainly preferable, and it goes a long way to avoiding some of those conflicts and uh, being very specific in your uh, plan. Uh, also, is is important. Uh, probably the the most important in a scenario like this, and also one of those scenarios where you know a trust is is preferable to a will, um, so that you can avoid some of these contests as well. So a lot lots of different things go into the analysis on on a scenario like this, but uh, communicate it starts with communication for sure. All right, so let's move on to another one that you know hopefully you don't find yourself in this position, but. What happens if all your beneficiaries are underage? What are some of the questions that you have to sort through? Well, okay, so you know, uh, someone who's underage can't own real property, right? So if the right. if the intention is that that person's going to be the beneficiary of the estate, then you know you have to find out. It, you have to determine, you know, who's going to take care of that child, right? Um, what sources of income are going to be used, or what sources of of money or cash are going to be used to maintain the home? And then you know, are the guardians already? You know, living with the with the child, are they going to live with the child? You know, what are the benefits of um, the children remaining in the house versus you know selling the home, liquidating the asset, and, and reducing it to cash, and perhaps you know um, using that um, cash as a as a means of funding a life for that individual child. Um, so there are a lot of a lot of uh, components that go into the um, discussion when it comes to trying to figure out how to best deal with a scenario where a minor is the, going to be the beneficiary of a, of a home. Okay. It is a, can be a tricky situation as well. Does it matter how old they are, Ted? Is, is it easier for well, 16 or 17 versus four or five? 
Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, of, of course, I think the closer they are to reaching, you know, the age of majority, it's less of a concern financially, obviously, but then we have other concerns to deal with as well. Right. So we, you have to worry about things like, um, you know, being eligible for financial aid for college and things of, of that nature also. So there, there, there are at, at the age, the age of the beneficiary creates a different problem at a different, at, at a different stage in their life. Um, so it's, it, it's important to kind of Think about the consequences of, you know, that type of a decision where, you know, you're, you're providing for a home for that uh, individual child or children um, who are minors. Uh, so, so you really kind of have to think it through, you know, while you're going through your your planning um, to discuss it. And that, and that really goes for, for all the scenarios that we discussed. Uh, you know, how do you maintain the home? You know, if, if, if a beneficiary is going to Get, be getting, you know, is going to be receiving the home. You know, can they afford the home? Um, can they maintain it? You know, what types of restrictions are you planning on putting on sale, for example? Um, you know, those those are all things that you know need to be thought about when you're talking about um, giving someone a home as part of uh, your legacy. All right. What about a couple of special considerations for the house? I want to throw at you before we finish up this episode. Um, and you've kind of touched on these a little bit, but just kind of pointing these out. These are some things that could happen when you are thinking through how to pass your home along. But what if someone lives there, they need to live there, they depend on living there, and they're not in a position where they can easily support themselves if they have to move elsewhere? Is that a difficult thing to work around? So it, it can be, um, you know, certainly, you know, when you're, when you're planning for a scenario like that, you know, you have to think about, you know, what financial resources are going to be available to that individual to maintain the home and who's going to be doing it for them, right? Because if they're unable to support themselves or, you know, maybe, maybe they're, you know, physically disabled or they've got some sort of impediment to being able to manage affairs on their own, um, you know, then, you know, how do, how do you, how do you ensure that that person is taken care of? And and what is the best scenario to do that? Um, certainly, a lot of things will go into that consideration. Um, for example, you know, is is the, the mortgage on the house paid off? For example, um, you know, what what does it cost to maintain the home on a regular basis? What type of income is coming into the home? Is the is the home income producing on its own? You know, lots of those scenarios. And you know, is is the person you know who's living in the home by themselves? Are they a danger to themselves or others? And what possible risks are there if uh, that person is expected to live alone? So a lot of things have to go into into thinking about that type of scenario, and and you know detail and and paying attention to that before you uh, make your plan is is important. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned some sentimental, emotional attachment that happens, comes with a home. You got to think about, I guess you got to think about moving to a different area or if there's a school district, if you have minor children, thinking about that with the house as well. And then what about a, a transition period? If somebody's got to move out of the house versus having to evict them. Is, is that, is there some flexibility there? So that, so that's a complication of a different sort. So, okay. you know, oftentimes we have a scenario where, you know, the house needs to be sold and, uh, that's because that's the only asset and it has to be divided a certain percentage. Um, and, and the only way to effectuate that is to you know list the house for sale, but you can't list the house for sale because someone's living it in it. And, you know, one of the people who are living in it is, is one of the beneficiaries. Um, and that can certainly tie up, you know, the estate and certainly tie up all the other beneficiaries. So, you know, you can run into scenarios where, you know, it puts, it puts beneficiaries at 
uh, loggerheads with each other, uh, where they're basically in court constantly trying to, you know, fight over uh, over the estate until until it's uh, until it's sold or liquidated, and that can affect the value of the estate for the other beneficiaries. So that's that's a concern as well. And you know, frankly, you know, an eviction is eviction, so it's complicated. It, for, you know, the the it's complicated even when there aren't estate concerns. Um, it gets even more complicated when it's an estate issue because first the fiduciary or the 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 executor has to be appointed and then once the executor is appointed then that person can can bring a proceeding and it gets complicated so so it it, it can be a scenario that could cause a lot of delays in, in an estate in the estate administration it can cause value to to be uh, lost because uh, of the difficulty in trying to liquidate property with someone in it uh or you know waiting for someone to be evicted here in New York it takes a long time to evict someone so um and that's under normal circumstances. So um, it it is a consideration and something something that um, thinking about um, in advance is is an important thing to do. All right. Well, if you uh, haven't started thinking about what you're going to do with your house, or maybe you have a complicated scenario you want to work through, or just have questions that you want to ask Ted and his team at the Alatsis Law Firm, you can always do so by logging on alatsislawfirm.com. Or you can call 718-233-2903. There's a lot of great tools on the site, videos, all pod- our podcasts. or some DIY uh, estate planning information there as well. If that's kind of an avenue you might want to explore but also want to have the help of someone like Ted who does this every single day, that's options available to you as well. But, of course, the best thing to do is just to start that planning process now. So 718-233-2903, best way to do that. Ted, as always, thanks for your time. Uh, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, Ben. Great to talk to you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.